0: It's been seven weeks now and I'm still on the run, still a fugitive, evading the pursuit of gangs, police, vigilantes, lawyers, journalists, spies, evangelists, social workers, youth workers, croupiers, barbers, orthodontists, nail technicians, tattooists, house angels, blacksmiths and the entire comparative literature department at the Ripplestone Institute of Social Sciences. It all started during my inaugural lecture at the Institute. The lecture was titled Fear Flatters Complexity, Spinoza and the Unrolling of the Gold Tongue. And I was just about to conclude the second section on the historical contingencies of Spinoza's imminent Transcendentalism, when a man in the audience emitted a short, snorted little scoffing sound, as if he'd taken umbrage to the previous passage. This interjection caught me rather off guard and disrupted the flow of my rhetoric to the point that the words passing through my lips began to feel inflated, hot and impalatable. The conjunctives supposed to bind them into meaningful sequences evaporated in my throat and the consonants of the words seemed to swap around my tongue, which started to spasm and twitch, puckering and clucking at roof of my mouth, which had become brittle and dry, and at the same time saliva excessively ebbed up in the recesses of my gums, and the rapid movement of my tongue sent spittles scattering over the first row, as if from a malfunctioning lawn sprinkler. As my lips rasped and spluttered, my eyes started to stream, and my nose started to bleed. And it was at that point that the chair suggested... We take a moment's recess and went to fetch me a fresh bottle of water. But there was no water. All the spring water ordered in for the conference had been destroyed in a controlled explosion the previous afternoon. And so I was sent out by the chair with £10 petty cash to the mini repast to procure a dozen potable waters. Leaving the mini repast with two shrink-wrapped six-packs of Glenhalen still under each arm. I was disturbed by the signage advertising the latest range of crisps. I began to flush with rage, blood pounding through my temples, synaptic shortcuts flash-flooding my retinas. They hadn't put the H after the C in crisps. Youths who were debating by the vegetables, sniffing at the parsley. They've missed out the H, I hissed with a shiver, pointing feverishly in the fluid green star with my whole body incensed and stammering, the world becoming a dizzying blur. No H in crisps, champion, said one of the youths. Yeah, contestant, said another. Lightly wrapping her cheeks with alternating blows from flattened palms, the word is spelled without calling upon the H. Matador. What's the last? Are you quite sane now with the words? Then, blowing a balloon of peach hubba bubba until it eclipsed his head and burst. All three of them fading with a scent, sight, and sound. somewhat revived by the chemical peach aroma and somehow still brandishing my cache of two half dozen potable waters in a hen clutch I stepped back into the mini repast to lodge my complaint Come back for your receipt, Aquadad said the young wisp behind the counter No, I said, I have a complaint about the signage Separate queue, wheezed the wisp, pointing to a line of mostly leather-clad men in their thirties snaking around and around the pet food aisle, holding clipboards, tablets, scrolls. Taking my place at the rear, I began to run through my list of K-sounding C and CH words, which I've memorized since birth in a unique alternating mnemonic order. Crisps. Christ. Crisis. Chrysalis. Crystal. Chrysanthemum. Crust. Chris. Crest. Croissant. But did that series start with a CH or just a C? I began to experience doubt. Was it worth waiting in this queue? to take my complaint to the mini repasts in-house grammaticist. Did they even have a grammaticist? Was there even such thing as a grammaticist? I tapped the frilled leather bike shoulder of the gentleman in front of me. Excuse me, is there a grammaticist? Slowly, a granite face, like the last remaining wall in a bombed-out tank shelter, turned towards me. Dead eyes humming with grey light. Don't ask me, buddy. I'm just here to fuck a human jello. <laughs> the counter wisp and his entourage erupted in a violent blossoming of slashing, stabbing laughter. And the shoppers, though momentarily stayed by the sudden change in atmosphere, gradually set about burying their perplexity in the comforting soil of conformative aggression. As the mini repast dissolved into a shrill aria of chimpage, I stepped silently backwards out into the street and nearly trip over the prong of something splayed out. Of the sombrero stack. The handlebar of a BMX bike, one of the best I've ever seen. A shimmering golden frame, rubber hand grasps, proper black pedals that look like they really spin, and a tiny seat screwed down nice and low. Dreams just nestled there, unsupervised, on a sparse, jumbled bed of parsley and coriander leaves. In a flash, I hurled the Halens back into the shop, smack, chimp down, smack, another chimp down. I grab the bike and, looping my shoulder strap briefcase over my head like a lasso, I launch the leather grenade of papers, books and conference program like a zookeeper's wrecking ball into the squealing choir and hit the road. Or even the lobby of Lofties, after calling in that series of fraudulent tip-offs about the dirty bomb in the spring water from my office phone. Then the home phone. And then the payphone in the lobby of the Grand Hotel Lofties. But I decided to stake out the service hatch of the Lofties basement, where we used to do bladder practice till frog dawn. At the rear here now, which can only be seen if you crank your neck about a 120 degrees eastward, is an animated holographic display of all the amusing times students have fallen out the building windows. Now I find it in bad taste, Lofty himself explains to me that there's... Never any fatalities among the participants, for every holographic memo mainlined into the faculty's micromanaged mirror portal, some lucky student gets all their fees waived.